genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, one somewhat poor idea at a time. What? The uh, giving Gondor the weapon of the enemy. Aww. He comes and from a good place. It does come from a good place. It's not a great idea. I'm Norman Mitchell. <laughs> I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us today is our friend Tara Bleak. Hey. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about Minute 101, which starts with Boromir saying, give Gondor the weapon of the enemy, and ends with Boromir giving Aragorn a very broody look. Like, the shadiest of shades. I mean, it's just him returning the shade from the chamber right, where right. Narsil sits. <laughs> from literally last week. Yes. Like... It's just throwing some shade back Aragorn's way. <laughs> so, I I kept trying to talk about this, like, off mic, and... When we were recording our first weekend edition. Yes, be free. So be now free I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> I have always felt that this, this Aragorn, son of Arathorn reveal doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, how, do, how does Boromir, like, know for sure that he's Isildur's heir just based on his name? Uh, well, being the steward of Gondor, wouldn't he, like, know? But they were, they were hidden away. It wasn't public information. Oh. Like, they didn't... The reason that there's, like, no king is because they didn't know where the king was. But... They didn't know he had an heir. There hasn't been a king in Gondor in, like, thousands of years, right? since right? Isildur died. Right, okay. So, like, how does he just hear Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and be like, Isildur's heir? Well... How does he know that? And why does everyone else react in that exact same way? Well, haven't there been rumors of, like, the rangers and like the people of the because he like they're like from the north right the rangers. but like the way that this movie is put together that reveal doesn't make sense okay do you know what i mean i guess there is like literally no context for everyone to just be like oh oh <laughs> the king well legolas says it with such conviction i know like Leg but Legolas like knows because he's like personal friends with Aragorn. Yeah. But like, why would he think that anyone else would just be like Aragorn, son of Arathorn? He must be the one true king. Isn't there? Because he's Aragorn the second, right? I think so. So yeah. Isn't there? Isn't there like an Aragorn of in the past? That's... Right, but like people just yeah, name their kids the after kings. <laughs> like. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, how many Durins were there? Like five. It's like. It's... <laughs> I think seven. I don't remember. I think we Durin, looked it up last night. I think Durin the seventh is the last Durin. Uh, I looked it up while I was drinking a beer, so there's no promises yeah. for me remembering things. Yeah. <laughs> we we look we were looking at dwarven family family trees to figure out how long dwarves live. Yeah. The average seems to be somewhere between two hundred and two hundred fifty years. But that is neither Holy here crap. nor there. Yeah. So dwarves are dwarves are long lived, but this never made sense to me within the context of the movie that. Like, they, he just says Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and, like, everybody, even Frodo is just like, what? I like that there's the, um, is it the Gondor theme, or is it the Aragorn theme? The really, the, it sounds like a brassy, um, like, French horn. I think that's the Gondor theme. Okay. 
Um, I like that that plays, though, over the announcement. Yeah, because I think that the, the Gondor theme is supposed to be kind of uh, trumpety. Yeah, it sounds like a French horn. Yeah. Um, because uh, Boromir goes out of his way to mention, like, have you ever been heralded home with silver trumpets right. later in the movie? Yeah. And I think that's in keeping with, like, the more classical high fantasy, like, maybe Arthurian way that Gondor is kind of looked at. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. But yeah, that, that reveal moment has never made a lot of sense to me, like, just within the context of the movie. Okay, look, there are, like, three-foot-tall people with hairy legs and yeah. hairy feet and elves that literally live forever and a guy with a big beard and a pointy hat, and he yeah. makes magic happen, so... Right. And, like, I understand that, like, as an audience, we're just supposed to be like, well, yeah, of course he's the king. We've known that since, like, the second time he talked. I mean, have we, though? Well, not necessarily, but, like, the we know that there's more to him almost immediately, and then we get it just completely confirmed to us, like, not ten minutes ago yeah. in the movie that, you know, he's the descendant of Isildur. That's true. And so, like, I understand that within, like, as an audience member, you're just supposed to, like, accept this and move on because we literally just found that out ourselves ten minutes ago. Right. But, like, within the context of, like, who these characters are in this movie, it never really made a lot of sense to me. Like, el the elves know because the elves helped raise him. Right. But, like, why would the dwarves know? Why would Frodo have that look on his face? Like, what? Really? I think Frodo has that look on his face more out of, um, like... Just out of, like, Legolas being like, this dude's a king. And Frodo's like, he's a, he's, he's a king? Yeah. Like, I mean, Strider's not his real name? Right? Right. Like, <laughs> I've been I calling him Sam. by his wrong name I, the whole time. That's well, that's what he introduced. That's what he introduced himself as was Strider. And, um, well, no, well, he, no, he didn't. Butterbur introduced him as Strider, and then yeah. everyone else called him Strider. Sam will continue to call him Strider, even after knowing his <laughs> name is Aragorn. He's just got super long legs. So it it's makes sense. Long shanks. Long shanks. Well, that's the first thing that Sam Sam says to him too. Yeah. He's just like, I'll, "I'll have you, long shanks." <laughs> just, which I think is great. Like that's a, that sounds great as like a, like a slur from hobbits to man. Like, <laughs> Look long at this tall dude. He's, oh my god, he's so mean. I mean, it, it it's said like the way that someone would say a slur is like long shanks. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I don't want to get into hobbit slurs. That sounds terrible. You know, I feel like they have their best relationships with the dwarves. Because they're short Because they're stubborn. both small, yeah. <laughs> and they they're both, both like, hang out in the dirt all the time. Also, like, dwarves are the, um... Yeah. Dwarves are the other race that, like, lives in the Shire, kind of, because they live in the Blue Hills on the other side as well. That's true. I mean, there's men on the outskirts of the Shire yeah. with Bree and everything. But dwarves pass through. Like, relatively often from the Blue Hills to the Iron Hills mm. and from the Blue Hills to the Lonely Mountain. Is that a recent thing, like, in the past 50 years? Because why would dwarves showing up at Bilbo's doorstep have been, like, a scandal? Well, they probably don't, like, stop in Hobbiton. Oh, that's true. Hobbiton's, like, a high-end, gentrified hobbit place. It's like the Martha's Vineyard of the, yeah. the Shire. <laughs> right. Hobbiton is a, is a high-class establishment. <laughs> So dwarves hanging out in Hobbiton is probably very uncommon. There's like rich hobbits like riding bikes and stuff on the boardwalk. Like. <laughs> oh they got their their hoverboards. Hoverboards. Oh my gosh. 
man. <laughs> There's a not a lot happens in this minute. There's a couple uh a couple little things about the effects here is uh first of all the the set guys talk about how there is just little fans going all the time here because they needed to make sure that wisps of hair were blowing around mm-hmm. in everyone for everyone in Rivendell. And John Howe talks for like a straight three minutes about how much he admires the hair department and the the historical significance of hairstyles. That's amazing. Like he yeah. talks for like three straight minutes on the commentary about how much he about how he seems to have this great love of like the his- history of hair of like hairstyles. Because I, and as an artist who like draws a lot of characters in like medieval fantasy, right. that makes sense. Because you don't want, um, especially if you're doing medieval fantasy or like historical fiction, you don't want it to be anachronistic. Right. Like, why does this guy have feathered hair? Well, <laughs> I mean, ask that to every romance novel ever. But like, suddenly Farrah Fawcett in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like, who's right, that? Take, takes off the helmet, feathered hair just drapes out. <laughs> No, I feel like that's incorrect. Yeah, well, like, that's not how hair works underneath the helmet any- anyway. But also, why would you have feathered hair? That implies, like, some kind of hair dryer scenario happening. Like, that, they don't even have electricity. <laughs> the, Where would you squire is, like, pedaling a bike to power a hair dryer. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Faster, Squire, faster. It's like, <laughs> I'm losing power. It's like a giant hamster wheel. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Multiple Squires. I just, that remind. I just, um, I just picked up, um, oh man, Noelle Stevenson's, uh, Nimona the other day, and it's a, it's a graphic novel, and there are, um, like knights in it. And one of the, like, the main knight is named Ambrosius Goldenloin, and he has the, like, the most luscious blonde locks. And it's always, like, perfectly coiffed. And I'm just like, oh, man, I bet that guy implies, like, five squires to do his hair every morning. Like, <laughs> Ambrosius Goldenloin? It's so good. Highly recommend. <laughs> That's quite a name. It's very funny. It's quite a name. Not a lot really happens in this minute. No. Just, a, there, I mean, there is a lot of hair. There's a lot of hair. And a lot of eyebrows. Yes. Orlando Bloom's perfectly perfectly preserved eyebrows and yes. long blonde elven hair. No one compares to uh, Hugo Weaving's eyebrows, though. That's true. He has the That's most beautiful true. eyebrows. <laughs> I know. Whenever we talk about Hugo Weaving's eyebrows, Norman's perpetually amazed. And I'm like... I am amazed. It's literally yeah. just... They're impressive. You just take some tweezers or maybe some wax and you sculpt them. Like <laughs> they're they're just impressive. They're yeah, like they the opposite in terms of like Spock's eyebrows in terms of shape, but in terms of like how intense they are, they are right on. <laughs> yes. When I when I picture you go weaving, the first thing I picture is his somewhat severe eyebrows. It works for this though. It does. Yeah. Because he's he's so serious. Elrond is very serious here. Well, yeah, it's like the Council of Elrond. But like, (laughs) part of the way that Hugo Weaving speaks, I can always imagine him like breaking out laughing out of take, Mm -hmm. like trying to stay very serious and then like just starting to laugh as soon as the camera stops. Oh my God. At the, 
which Ian McKellen talks about a little bit, like giggling at the way that people say stuff after you've been filming the same scene for a week. Right. That's yeah. funny. There's like this whole thing where when you're fil filming or acting in a serious context, you just kind of have to, at, at a certain point, it becomes, it goes from serious to like ludicrous. And you're just like, this is the silliest thing I've ever been part of. <laughs> This right. makes zero sense in my own life, so I'm just gonna, wow, this is just ridiculous, and you just start to laugh. I yeah. know. I is there blooper reel for this? Oh, there man. has got to be. I don't ever remember watching a blooper reel because I feel like if there was, I would watch it every day of my life because it's it would be hilarious. Well, like there because there's definitely like individual moments of bloopers that they show in the appendices and some of the extra material, right. like Christopher Lee complaining about his robe and swearing at the, everyone on you set. Know, um, what we should do, we should look at what the special features are for the our newly acquired um, theatrical DVDs. Yes. Because I bet you there's probably there's some, some stuff on there. Yeah, there's probably a few different things Hopefully. than what's in the extended. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had the theatrical DVDs till now. Right. Um, so, Tara, we like to ask people um, when they guess like what their background is with the movie or with the book or basically just what your experience with Lord of the Rings is. Um, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't remember, like, I'd never read the books before the movies came out, which I mm -hmm. feel is like some people will be like, oh my god, blasphemy. But, you know, in the interest of being open about it, like, I didn't read the books before. Mm -hmm. I mean, our and, very um, first cast, I don't think, still has. Yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are just like, meh, let's yeah. watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, like the movies aren't long pages. enough. Right. Yeah. But, like, um,. And I still haven't because when we I had them and when we moved they got damaged in the move so Aww. like they were totally waterlogged so we had to toss them and I I want to get like a really good set of them but mm -hmm. that'll you know that's probably gonna put me back kind of a lot of money so yeah well, if you want a if you want a nice illustrated edition they can be up to like two hundred dollars totally worth it. But... I've, I've always wanted the Alan Lee Illustrated Edition, so... That'd be pretty. That would be magnificent. But so, um, then the movies came out, and I think I was... My my dad and I were probably the only ones in our family who were super excited about it. <laughs> and mostly, I, I don't remember even watching the first one, but I remember one time I got... Like, every year I get tonsillitis. Like, mm -hmm. around when seasons change between winter and spring, I get really sick. And... I want to say my freshman year of high school, my mom was trying to make me feel better. And she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to watch The Fellowship of the Ring because it had just barely come out like on DVD. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when the extended edition first came out. And um, sometime in that in there because my brother was still living at home. Anyway, so she was like, OK. And I expected her to go to the store and come back with the theatrical cut. Yeah, like that's what all what I was expecting, and she came home with this huge block of green, and I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I spent like three hours just 
totally like drugged out of my mind watching Lord of the Rings because I was like my throat was killing me and I was like this is the greatest thing in the world Frodo's <laughs> eyes are so blue those are the bluest eyes I've ever seen in a person <laughs> and it's I imagine he came out of his mom and then opened his <laughs> eyes and everyone in the whole room was like what in the heck <laughs> Who is it? Uh, oh like angels must have sung that day because his eyes are so blue. I know. They're like <laughs> freakishly blue. Amazing. So that's like <laughs> my first experience. And then I got the books and then I was just like obsessed with the movies. And I got a punch. Like, you know, they had those posters like at Walmart at the end of the aisles. They'd have all the posters from movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I got a Legolas poster because he's beautiful. Yeah. And I had a crush on him <laughs> for so long. And then I got two Aragorn posters. Nice. And they're different posters. And they we framed them all. And they lived on my walls. And then at some point, I got a like a gold leaf map of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. And I would like go to sleep looking at it, and Aww. we also lost that in the move. And I'm so sad about it. I miss oh it so much. Oh my god, much. that's so sad. It was gorgeous. Oh it's my god. Sad. I know we need one of those. Mm-hmm. Mostly just because for ease of access, like I just want to be able to turn my head and be like, oh yeah, so that that's where the gap of Rohan is, and in relation to you know the Shire. And- Blah blah blah. Yeah, because yeah, nerds. Um, <laughs> right. It's hard to it's hard to keep everything straight. There's a lot of lot of stuff to remember. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Many many things. Um. So I don't know if we have any other notes for this one. No, I um, I don't think so. The uh, a lot of the, a lot of the commentary in this one is the, is people just kind of talking about. The difficulty of shooting this scene. I mean, this continuing to talk about the difficulty of shooting this because scene. this whole scene is just people talking. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, there's more to talk about this. Uh, there is more to week. talk about this week. So, uh, take it away. So yeah, you can find us on DuelingGenre.com, along with all the podcasts in the Dueling Genre family, and you can support us on Patreon if you feel so inclined. Our weekend edition is. Starting soon or as of this recording, we literally just recorded it. I haven't listened to it yet, so if it's terrible, I'm not going to publish it. But as of this (laughs) posting, uh, it might be out already. Question mark? So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We, you'll know before we do. Yeah, we're in this weird limbo of time where everything is timeless and everything is not because timeless. Trying to get ahead of recording. (laughs) Yeah, trying to get ahead of recording. But yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for listening today. Thank you for joining us today, Tara. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. And as always, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. Hope everyone has a great Monday.
genre.